0: Hi, I'm Nolan, and you're listening to a public church podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thanks for listening.
1: You know, if we haven't met, my name is Todd, and today I have the honor of being joined by... Steve. And Kelly. Yes. So... um I'm really fired up about this conversation. If you don't know Stephen Kelly, they're leaders in our community and leaders in our church family. And I just wanna start by honoring them because they have been serving as community group leaders and they're actually taking a break. And I think it takes a lot of courage to step into a season of Sabbath rest like this. So can we honor their courage to take a break and step out of that role? So for the people in the room, or online family that may not know you guys, can you give us some insight into who you are, like the fact that you're rooting for the Bucks?
0: (laughs) Um, My name is Steve Knapp, uh, and this is my wife, Kelly. We've been married for nine years. We also have a two-year-old daughter. Um, There there she is. (laughs) Tried to find a picture that would encapsulate her personality. And that does a really good job. Um, She is just so much fun. She's amazing. Um, And so I also am the assistant director at the Lee University Counseling Center. I'm also a licensed professional counselor.
2: Yeah, uh, my name is Kelly Knapp. I'm also a licensed professional counselor. I do part-time counseling at the Transformation Center in Cleveland. Um, and also, Steve's going to be up here cool, calm, and collected. I, however, have a fear of public speaking, but Steve says if I make it through, I get cheesecake from Aubrey's tonight. Oh, hey. But the better part is, if I don't make it through, then I get two slices. So it's a win-win. It's a win-win. <laughs>
1: So I'm free right after this, and I will watch Eliana, um, and can I come eat? No. (laughs) I don't get cheesecake. But here's what we're talking about today. We are going to talk about mental and emotional health. The reality is that over the past year and a half, we have been hit in a myriad of ways in these areas, and here's the big message we want everyone to feel, not just to get up here, but to feel Jesus cares about our mental and emotional health. Jesus cares about that. So the church needs to engage in this conversation. So to get us started, could you guys give some disclaimers for us?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so where we're at in the pandemic and even throughout the pandemic, there's been a lot of different perspectives and there's been a lot of divisiveness on a a number of different topics. And so don't hear what we're not saying. So we're really just talking about the impact of it and how we move forward. And so keep that in mind. We're not speaking in code or trying, trying to communicate something subtly that you're like, we're, we're just talking about how do we move through the impact of the pandemic as we're hopefully starting to phase out of it. And so we're going to be talking about general principles. And so there's a lot that could be talked about as it relates to mental health in general, but also in the midst of everything that we've been through. And so we're not going to cover everything, but we hope to give you some general principles, some Practical ways of, of moving forward, not just in the pandemic and, and moving out of it, but just in general, that what we believe can be really helpful for your mental health in a way that I think is, is pretty Christ-centered and biblical.
2: Yeah, and we understand that there could be some level of COVID fatigue, Um, hearing a lot uh, about COVID and you're over it, and we understand that. Um, But mental health has always been and will always be. I just think that COVID has brought our attention to an important part of the human experience, which is our mental health in both uh, small and pretty significant ways. And then as we address some general principles about mental health, I want to just encourage you to pay attention to the role that shame might play for you as you sit there and what narrative comes up for you. Um, Because today we want this talk to not be one of condemnation, but this is a talk that hopefully gives you. Um, some sense of meaning and hope in your experience. And we know that if we are in Christ as believers, there is no condemnation, but we're loved and accepted as we are.
0: Yeah. And one of my favorite quotes is, the gospel afflicts the comforted and comforts the afflicted. And as we're stepping into this, there's a metaphor that I I like. And it's in the midst of the pandemic, we've all been in the same storm, but we have not all, all been in the same boat. And that's to say, some of you are here today and life's honestly probably going pretty good at this point and that's okay and, and we, we celebrate that. For some of you, life may still be really difficult, really hard, maybe it's related to the, the pandemic and COVID, maybe it's not. And so if you're here today and, and you're feeling like you're in a good place, I hope in a good way, we, we, we kind, of, kind of afflict you just a little bit to recognize that not everyone's in the same place and if you're here afflicted you know you don't feel like you're doing too well i hope that what we share may
1: be comforting for you and how we move forward i love that and you know as a church we've been discussing the letter of colossians and so steve is is there maybe an intersection between our conversations today in the letter of Colossians.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I love our refining word series that we do every year. And then this this time of Colossians has been really good. And so Colossians 315, which will be on the screen here says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And so just in the world that I live in uh, and often seeing how things go wrong, there's a question of like, so what do we do when we don't feel the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts?
2: Yeah, and I think that can be so difficult to imagine the peace of Christ rolling in our hearts when sometimes uh, our experiences just feel very all-consuming. And not just circumstances themselves, but, you know, I believe that we embody emotions. And so the way in which our bodies even carry those experiences uh, within ourselves Um and so Todd asked me to share a little bit about my more recent story um, that hopefully will help connect this. Um, so I'm gonna read it just so that I can clearly articulate that. When Todd asked Steve and I to consider doing this talk, I smiled and agreed, but internally I felt overwhelmed at the thought of it. Not just because I have a peer, fear of public speaking, but other reasons. I thought it was the worst timing. You see, a few days before Todd asked us to consider this talk, I had experienced a panic attack out of nowhere in a setting in which I'd been thousands of times, in a place I felt pretty comfortable. It was pretty scary, and I felt a lot of shame. The days following were filled with a lot of fear and anxiety, and most of the time I wanted to hide. It was exhausting to hold that and show up each day as a therapist, a wife, a mother, a friend a believer. I didn't feel peaceful about anything. Quite honestly, I was in survival mode, and the last thing I did was seek God in those initial days. It felt mostly like cruel punishment from God, and that something must have been wrong with me for this to happen. I did the only thing that I knew to do most days, which was to keep showing up another day, with the feelings of panic and shame. And as I did, And as I invited people into my experience, risking some self-protection, I started to notice my fear become less. And not only that, I started to see hope in what I was going through. Although I'm still in the midst of this and would love for my story to be differently, God's not chosen that for me. God is the only reason I'm here in this moment. And while I may not feel peace, I do have peace of mind, knowing that God wants me to be here sharing His heart for our mental health. And so maybe that's part of it. It's it's not just feeling peace. And I think that God can give us a sense of peace at times, but He doesn't always choose to do that. But it's having a peace, knowing that we can trust the process that He's taking us through in order to have more hope.
1: Can we just clap and just honor Kelly and sharing that? You just gave so many people permission to be vulnerable and to admit that we don't have it all together because none of us do. And so for you to tell that story as a counselor, mm-hmm. I think carries so much weight. And so thank you. And Thanks. I think we can all see that there's places in our lives that this just impacts us, like whether or not we follow Jesus engaging suffering, trying to find hope. This is a universal struggle that we all have to walk through. And Jesus cares about it. Jesus cares about the suffering we're going through and about how we're trying to find hope. So could you guys just talk about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The phrase, uh, it rains on the just and the unjust comes to mind and and that we've all suffered. Um, as, as, As I look at just, the personal impact for me, one of the first places I start uh, that Todd referenced a few minutes ago is I really enjoy watching sports. And if you're familiar with that, sports paused and then they came back without fans and only recently they've been able to have fans and seasons have been really interrupted. It's, it hasn't been the same. And that's, that's been something I haven't enjoyed to be completely honest in the same way. But I also know as much as sports have been impacted, the arts have been impacted even more in regards to not being able to perform And so just even in the things that we enjoy, it has been impacted. I think maybe on a little bit more of an important note for me is uh, the weekend before this pandemic really hit in our country, uh, our daughter turned one. Or, yeah, she turned one, which meant her second year of life was in the midst of all of this. And so we weren't able to see family. and, And even like Christmas time looked a lot different than I think what any of us had anticipated it looking when she turned one. Mm-hmm. And that's not time that we can get back. We can't ever get that time back. And, and I think that's part of it is maybe some of those, you know, life looks pretty um, normal with our daughter at this point. But we can't go back and do that, that second year of her life. It, it's gone. There's loss there. Mm-hmm. And I think even as, as it relates to my my job where I, I meet with people for a living, not being able to meet with person in person has, has been a loss for me. And, and telehealth has been better than nothing but it's, it's not really the same. And so those are some of the examples of the losses that I've experienced. I know there are people here who have lost jobs. I know there are people who are, who are trying to find work. I know there are people still like the long haulers feeling the effects of COVID. And let's be honest, we've lost people. And so we have all suffered. And, and even if that suffering's over, it's, it's now more grief that's happened. And it's so important for us to grieve those losses.
2: Yeah, and so we've all experienced suffering in in one form or another loss. And our natural instinct oftentimes is to avoid loss, to avoid suffering. And we usually don't find ourselves running to it. Uh, But I think it's a normal response to feelings of discomfort or distress. But when we start avoiding, we start beginning to move away from mental health. And mental health is not about the absence of conflict. As people, were wired to be more additive than subtractive. So that meaning when we've had an experience um, that's brought up some level of discomfort, we can't remove that. So then life can start unknowingly be about maintaining peace at all costs rather than moving towards what we value and believe. And we know that what we value and believe sometimes comes with some form of discomfort uh, and risk. Uh, for example... Relationships and conflict, any kind of relationship, marital friendship, um, you know, any kind comes with some form of conflict. And if we don't engage that conflict, then it tend, the relationship tends to break down. But in order to maintain a healthy one, we have to engage the conflict. Um, So when we start living to maintain peace, we miss out on the fuller experience of life that holds both our pain, but also beauty, joy and goodness. And Jesus did come to give us life. Um, But that's more than just maintaining peace at
1: all cost.
0: Yeah. And and, and as we're talking about suffering, it, it makes me think of a phrase that's used about Jesus as Jesus as the suffering servant. And so Isaiah 53, three, which I believe is gonna be on the screen here, says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And so there's that word grief again, but, but here's Jesus uh, that Kelly was just talking about the peace and comfort. And here's Jesus who had the peace and comfort of, of living with the Father and the Spirit in heaven, who left that to live life like we live life. Except even if we look at his life, like it was, it was not a comfortable life even here on earth. Um, and, and he endured a great deal of suffering just even on a human level, not to even consider the, the supernatural aspects of his suffering. But just even on a human level, he, he experienced so much suffering.
2: hmm Yeah, and so we know that He's gone before us, both as the one who has suffered and also the one that enters the suffering of others. And as believers, we're actually called to both. The Bible speaks of this throughout Scripture. Like It guarantees that we will experience some level of suffering in this life, but it also depicts the communal aspect of what it means to live life with others and enter other people's pain and experiences. Personally, I found that inviting people into my more recent season um, was what moved me towards inviting God in. Now, that might not be the case for you. Some people would rather seek God and not share that with other people. They want to keep that to themselves between them and God. But for me, um, my physical presence felt so out of control that I felt like I needed a tangible presence um, of comfort. And and that's what my people were to me. And that's what the body of Christ is. They're a representation. They are a physical representation. We are a physical representation of Christ. and so that's what I knew that I needed. And I realized that to open up is a vulnerable thing. Um, but we would encourage you to find safe people to share with. And, and you might say like, hey, I look around myself and I don't see anybody that I can share with. Then begin to cultivate those relationships with people in which you think that you might eventually be able to share with. And I'm a little biased as a therapist, you know, um, to say like, go to therapy, but your, your experience may be so hard that you might even need to sift through that with somebody professional before you, and to know how you want to share that with other people. So consider that as an option too.
1: I love that. I know that my time in counseling has helped me articulate things that I couldn't say. Like I felt it, but I didn't have the words. And Mm -hmm. Just so you guys know, like part of their community group is right here, second row. Like, like they're in it with them. Like Thursday night, their community group was meet right here and do a run through to come alongside Steve and Kelly as they prepared for this. So like we need people like that in our lives that will walk through it with us. And, and you've already led us there. But take us a little bit further practically on, on how are we getting from this idea of suffering to, to goodness, to grace, to hope? How do we do that well?
0: Yeah, the, the Apostle Paul talks about that, that we do not grieve as those without hope, which begs a question of, well, well what is hope? And, and as I, I think of hope culturally and what we've been experiencing, the word normal comes to mind, that there's been a lot of talk about, we got to get back to normal, we got to get back to normal. And then other people saying like, no, this is a new normal. And we need, we need to create a new normal after the pandemic's over because normal wasn't working. And regardless of, of wherever you fall on, on, on that conversation, that's not where I think our hope is found. Our hope is not found in specific circumstances. We don't see that in scripture, that, that, that there are a lot of difficult circumstances that people walk through, and it seems pretty apparent that God allows them to walk through. But our hope as followers of Jesus is to embrace the life that God has for us, as demonstrated by Jesus. And so if we come back to Isaiah 53, verse 11, it says, by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And so just even go back to suffering for just a second. One of the beautiful things about the gospel from my perspective is God doesn't ask us to do something that he's not willing to do himself. That if we're going to have to walk through our suffering, we have one who has already done it. And he walked through it, and not only did he walk through it, but because he did it, he reconciled us to the Father. And I think that's something that's so important is that I came across a really good quote recently that said, suffering is not a gift, but it contains a gift. And that's what we see in Christ's suffering. Is the suffering itself wasn't necessarily the gift, it's what that suffering produced, and that's helping us to be reconciled to the Father. And as we look at our lives, as we look at our stories, our suffering isn't going to reconcile us to the Father today for all of humanity. Mm-hmm. But in, in what I like to call the mini dramas, the many stories of our lives, they can reflect what Christ has done in tangible and specific ways. But we have to be willing to go through the suffering and we have to believe that there is grace and goodness if we will do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think about most of my personal experiences with hard circumstances. Um, I've found them to hold a grace, even the current season I'm in right now. It's moved me towards greater compassion, both for myself and for other people. I mean, even facing this, the distress of public speaking uh, is working out my faith in a way that I could not do on my own. Um, I think of the image of a seed and, you know, if nothing is done with that seed, it just only remains a seed. But if a seed is planted into the ground and it dies, then it produces something amazing and something more that we we can even imagine. Um, and then coming back to the idea of like finding meaning and how and bringing people into our experience. I think people do uh, help us find meaning and hope in our experience. By nature, we're storytellers and we're constantly trying to make sense of our experiences. And if we stay isolated in our suffering, we can get absorbed by all that we see and feel. That can create a pretty narrow narrative and maybe even a narrative of shame, like I'm broken, I'm incapable, um, I'm not good. And that starts becoming played out in our everyday lives. Uh, But if we invite others in, they can provide us a much fuller picture and provide us more hope. Psychology even validates the communal aspect of what what the Bible depicts. When we're engaging in healthy relationships, we move towards greater flourishing. And I often see this in motherhood, where I become so discouraged by something that I'm doing as a mom, or I personally feel like I personally failed, or we're in a season of difficulty with Eliana. Um, But I'll reach out to my community group or my mentors, and, and they encourage me and provide me a different perspective than only the very narrow one that I see, the temporary one that I see in front of me. Now, sometimes I want to hang on to my perspective because it feels good, right, to just be in that. Um, but that wouldn't be good for me. Uh, that wouldn't be good for Eliana. And, and my people, like when I share with my people, they make me a better version of myself so that I can be a better version in the world.
1: That's, this is just so rich and so good. And if we could just start to walk this out, like practically, then what does it look like for all of us to move from suffering to hope?
2: Well, I think part of it is, is we just one, recognizing that we have to hold the tension between the two. It is a tension. It's not one or the other. It's how do I acknowledge my pain, but also move towards a sense of hope. And I I think that is the act of lament. And Steve will explain a little bit more of that in a a little bit. Uh, But I think of the Sunday, Todd, that you spoke on praying like a psalmist. That's it, like praying with gut level honesty about what we're going through. And you see this throughout all of the Psalms. the psalmist pouring out their heart, um, asking for specific things and also moving towards hope in that.
0: Yeah, and so we're talking about lament. And I think honesty is such an important aspect of lament. Uh, There's a phrase in psychology called spiritual bypass. If you think of what a bypass does, it goes around something. And so this this concept of spiritual bypass is rather than going through whatever we're going through, we're, we're trying to escape it. We're trying to avoid it. And that's why I think honesty is so important because our faith in Christ is meant to help us walk through the suffering rather than around it. So when this, when this pandemic was, was really at its worst, or I guess it depends on how you view that, but last summer, I was curious about this concept of lament. I'd heard the word, I grew up in church, but I wasn't really familiar with what it meant. So I enjoy reading. So I found a book, um, and it's called uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Vrogop. Um, And in this book, it's, it's an excellent book. So if you're curious about this concept of lament, I would highly recommend this book. Um, but he defines lament in this way, and I think it's gonna be on the screen here. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. So there's that paradox, right? Paradox, tension, how, how do we do this? And It's, it's the honest cry of, of engaging God in the process of, of engaging the suffering while trying to hold on to a sense of hope.
2: Yeah, and I think it's gonna be hard to be honest um, and engage god with our experience if we don't see him as a relational god so today if you're here and you struggle with that you know i just want to encourage you like he is he's been a relational god from the very beginning like when he he was in relationship you know the father the son and the holy spirit they're relating to one another and and even wanting to connect with us so much that he sent jesus in human form to, to be with us, but also to make a way in order for us to reconnect um, with him. And so seeing him as a safe person, like we have to start from that point before we can begin to be honest in the process. And then by lamenting and pouring out our pain to God, we're opening ourselves up to even greater intimacy with him and also to the experience of being loved and comforted in a way in which we need
0: Yeah, and so if you're you're curious about this idea of of lament, uh, the the Psalms are full of them. In fact, uh, I came across recently a statistic that said uh, about a third of the Psalms could be classified as lament. And so I want to highlight one of those, and it's Psalm 22. Now, if you're familiar with scripture, Obviously, Psalms 22 comes before Psalms 23, which starts out, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's very calming, very soothing. It's, it's a verse that we often have kids memorize because it's, it's, it's a really great psalm. But the chapter before, Psalm 22, starts much differently. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If those words sound familiar, you might even be thinking, that doesn't, that's not in the Psalms. That's what Jesus says on the cross. You're right, Jesus did say it on the cross. He was quoting Psalm 22. David actually said it first. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are words that it's not just Jesus who gets to speak those. He wasn't the first one to even speak it. David was. We can speak those words if it feels true for us. As, as I look at Psalm 22, one of the, there's, there's two words that really stand out to me. And those words are but and yet. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But. I remember how you've been faithful to past generations. But I'm going through a tough time. This is really hard. I feel like I'm a worm. Yet, I will trust in your goodness that you will provide, and future generations will look back and see how you provided. Those words, but and yet, demonstrate the tension, the paradox of moving back and forth between the suffering and the hope, the suffering and the hope. And it's engaging God relationally in the process rather than just trying to deal with it on our own. We're bringing God into our process, which creates a space for us to transform us.
1: Love that, And that is so essential that we learn how to lament. So what's an action to help us begin to learn lamenting? Yeah, I think that's,
0: that's exactly what the action is. If you're unfamiliar with this concept, read the Psalms, find those Psalms of lament and be familiar with them. Be familiar with them like Jesus was familiar with them, that he's, in his hardest moment, I would say, he's quoting the Psalms. And then once you've gotten familiar with it, and Kelly's going to lay out what we can, some, some practical aspects of it, write your own Psalm. I really want to encourage you to not just kind of walk through it in your head, but write it out. I've, I've seen the benefits of journaling just in the last couple months. If, if writing, journaling doesn't feel very comfortable for you, just cry it out, speak it out, but don't let it be something that just stays in your head. There's something so beneficial about getting it out. It makes it more real. And so engage in your own lament.
2: Mm -hmm. And for those of you who like structure, I like structure personally myself, just remembering it in the way of complaint petition, like bringing your specific request to God and ending with a sense of hope. So complaint petition, hope. And I think there's a It's necessary to end with hope um, because it leaves room for for God to help us make meaning, for God to give us a sense of hope. Um, Also, we're in a pretty vulnerable place. And wouldn't the enemy love for us to stay consumed in the experience of what our suffering is telling us that this is bad or I'm bad or whatever it is? And so... um, just making sure that we're moving towards that. And then I think about the Bible, like all throughout the Bible, you see people setting up altars of remembrance. Like So if you're writing this or if you're saying it out loud, um, you know, being able to come back to it to say, like, this was a point in life in which it was really difficult and God was faithful. Like it didn't feel good, but God was present with me in all of that
0: this might be an altar
1: of remembrance for you. It
2: will be. <laughs> you will. Yes. I'm going to be writing about this in my
1: journal. <laughs> I will be. Man, I, I just love that. And, and, you know, kids, like you guys are in here with us and we love that. and And maybe you're thinking as a parent or a kid, like, where does this hit me? Well, actually, we have a family's moment just for you because this matters to you, whether you're five, whether you're 15, whether you're 12, like this matters to you. So Steve, could you just share this family's moment?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Be honest with your mom, dad, grandmom, or grand- granddad about how you feel. Pray to Jesus about it. So uh, I'm referencing this at the nine o'clock, but kids, do you know that there's a, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus tells the little kids to come unto him. He wants to know what's going on in your life. He wants mm-hmm. to hear from you. And he's also given you parents, grandparents, caregivers who want to know too, mm-hmm. who, who can practically engage you in ways that, that you may not know how to do that with God. And so I really want to encourage you kids out there to be honest with what you're feeling. And maybe even consider like, maybe looking back at a time where you had a hard time and you saw where God showed up. And parents, that might be a place where you can kind of help them see, it. hey, hey, remember when you went through this tough time at school? And that was so hard, that was so difficult. And yet we saw how God moved.
1: I love that. And kids, just to, to give you a tool, like you guys have the bingo, which is awesome. And inside of that, there's literally a space where you could just begin to write, some words um, to, to begin to process your feelings. And, and Kelly, you have some insight for parents about you know, how, how do we keep this conversation going and even normalize these things in our homes?
2: Yeah, um, just asking your children about their highs and lows. I think that that by doing that, you're saying all feelings are allowed. We're not either saying like one is more valuable than the other or the other one isn't very important, but you're normalizing all emotions. and. And don't be discouraged. If your children are not responding immediately, like I mean, how often does that happen? You ask the kids something, how they're doing, they're just like, eh. You know, but what you're doing is you're you're giving them um a sense of safety with you. You're creating a level of security that whenever they experience something, they know that mom and dad, this is something that they've made a normal thing. Like I can come to them and I can talk to them about hard things. And how much of us would love for our children to say like, we'd love for our children to come to us whenever they have something going on instead of turning to something else. We, we want them to know that we are safe people. Like you can come talk to me about whatever it is that you're feeling.
0: Yeah, yeah. and just as we're thinking about action and as we're thinking about writing uh, us, our own lament, um, there, there's something I want to highlight because Todd's actually going to give us an opportunity here to, to do that this morning. And that is, obviously different people have different personalities. And so we really want to encourage you to engage both aspects of the suffering, pain, grief, and of the hope, goodness, and grace. So for some of you, um, I know uh, like if you're an Enneagram four, it's probably going to be very easy for you to be honest. And so to be aware of what you're experiencing. and, And I would encourage you, if you can relate to that, You might need to cultivate more of the hope. You might need to look back on the times that God has shown up. Um, For someone like me, I'm I'm, uh, nine on the Enneagram, and sometimes they talk about how we're asleep to what we're feeling.
1: And so for
0: me, I really have to push in and say, what am I really experiencing here? Because I just want to move on. Uh, The the nine's called the peacemaker. And so I, I like peace but sometimes I really need to dig in and allow myself to see what's there and engage what I'm feeling. And so regardless of, of, we all probably kind of lean more towards one or the other. The growth area is trying to engage that side that doesn't come as natural to us. And I think that's where God will show up the most to be completely honest. That in our weakness is when he often shows up the greatest.
1: Uh, I love that. And so we're actually going to have an opportunity to respond public worship is going to come up as they're going to lead us in a couple songs. But I just want to say, as they're coming up, thank you. Like we needed this. And, and I know I'm going to go back and re listen to this and I hope that some of you guys do, or you share it with somebody who needs it. But like we needed your insight and wisdom about how to walk through this. So thank you for your courage. Thank you for your wisdom and your courage, Steve, of just letting the Holy spirit speak to you. And so this is a moment for us to engage and so that's gonna look different depending on how you're wired, depending on what you need. Steve led into this so well. So perhaps you literally don't know what to say. Like, I don't even know how to begin to pray, how to begin to write a Psalm of Lament. Our prayer corner is in the back. We would love to have someone pray for you if you don't have those words to speak. Or maybe you just wanna read Psalm 22 and you're like, well, I didn't bring my Bible. You can download the YouVersion Bible app right now and just read that and, and sit in a Psalm of Lament. Perhaps you're ready to go ahead and start writing your Psalm of Lament. I know that I wrote that in this time during the nine and it brought a lot of clarity to me. And and that may not happen. You may not have clarity right away, but it can at least help us begin to dive into our emotions. And if you don't follow Jesus and you're here and you've realized, man, Jesus cares about my mental and emotional health. Jesus suffered for me and and he rose again. That's where the hope comes from, from the empty tomb. And you want to follow Jesus Then just tell him that. And we just ask that before you leave, that you would go to the info hub and let someone know so that your second and third step can be with somebody. We we don't want you to take any step in the journey of following Jesus by yourself. So this is really your time. Whatever you need to do, just spend this time as we begin to step into this idea of lament. And Steve, as we respond, could you just pray for us? Absolutely.
0: Father, we are grateful for this opportunity. We are grateful that you have not just left us in our suffering, which we don't always understand why we are suffering. Why is suffering a part of this life? But we know that we can engage you relationally. And so for those of us who follow you, those of us who feel close to you, lament can help us develop greater intimacy. And Father, I pray for those who are far from you. Maybe you have never known you. And I pray that they may lament themselves and find you in the process of whatever they're going through. Father, we ask that you would do abundantly more than we could ask or imagine through this ancient practice of lament. It's in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social media platforms at Public Church, or through our app or website publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of public church, you can do so through our app or website via pushpay, or by texting "public church" in all caps with no spaces to 77977. Again, thanks for listening.